You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily podcast on the New Orleans Pelicans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans and NBA as a whole, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iTunes, Alexa, Stitcher, the new uh, Android podcast app, wherever you get your podcast from, basically. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media and editor over at LockedOnPelicans.com, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. Here with you all on this Tuesday now, day after the NBA award show in what is really just a terrible, terrible product, but also the eve of free agency. We've got to talk about a lot of fun stuff upcoming this week, so today is going to be the very basic primer for what you need to know. What exceptions do the Pelicans have? Where do they stand in relation to the salary cap? How can they re-sign some of these guys? That's all we're going to talk about when it comes to the Pelicans of free agent today. Tomorrow, we'll jump into other teams. What's Dallas doing? What are the Suns doing? What's going to happen in this free agency period? And then we'll keep looking at who might the Pelicans sign, who are good fits for the exceptions that they have. Because, yes, they are operating over the salary cap. So We're going to use this today as the primer. We're going to set the stage for everything you need to know in free agency. So first, we'll talk about the NBA Awards show. Then we're going to get into everything you need to know in this edition of Locked on Pelicans. So to hold the NBA Awards show this far after the regular season really is just stupid. You know, remember it was a real interesting debate who was going to win Rookie of the Year between Ben Simmons and Donovan Mitchell right at the end of the season, and that was the big question mark going into these awards anyway, because we all know James Harden was going to win MVP. And by the way, I'm recording this before it's over, so I don't know if he's actually won officially, but I mean... Come on, I think we know this. It was really, that was the big question mark. Maybe who would win Coach of the Year, but I think we all assumed it would be Dwayne Casey. So there were no real surprises here, but it was a big debate at one point. And then that debate fizzles out, and I think everyone had strong opinions for it, but do you really have strong opinions now this far and removed from the fact and the regular season? And this is a regular season award show, and you're doing it after the NBA Finals. And I get it. You're trying to cash in on maybe a dead period right now where there's not too much to talk about when it comes to free agency because teams can't talk to other players just yet. We're not in that moratorium period. Or uh, as I saw on um, High Noon with Bimani Jones and Pablo Torre, maybe you just want to kind of this, get some ratings, and they do it after the BET Awards the day after, and maybe hope, you know, also in the same city, I think like same location and everything, you get some other people hanging around to come to your show and make it look like a big to-do when probably no one really cares when it comes to this sort of thing. But there's an award show, and it happened, and yeah, Ben Simmons won Rookie of the Year. Now, if you want to read anything about that interesting debate, and it was very interesting, it makes you think maybe they need to change the way Rookie of the Year is done, or just get rid of Rookie of the Year, or maybe get rid of all awards, who knows, whatever. You know, you've got to find stuff from months ago, and this is just largely pointless. So, talking about the things you all care about here, and that's Anthony Davis being up for two. MVP, which again, I don't know what happened. I'm assuming he finishes second or third in there because he's not finishing first because that's going to be James Harden. And then defensive player of the year, which he lost to Rudy Gobert. And what is not really a surprise? Look, 
you have a good case for Anthony Davis winning Defensive Player of the Year. Yes, you really, really do. He was tremendous on that side of the ball pretty much the entire season. And the defense got better and better as the year went on. That's a big uh, part of what made him so good this year was finally he got some help around him a little bit more on the defensive side of things. And the defensive rating improved as a result of that. Gobert was a monster down there all year long, and the only knock, the only reason you can't give Gobert this award, and again, it's a regular season award, we've got to go with what the criteria are, is that he missed a ton of games. He missed more games than the year Anthony Davis was left off of the All-NBA team rosters because he missed so many, and Gobert missed more than that. So if you're using that as your criteria, which clearly the voters were not, then yeah, you probably don't want to give that to Gobert, but that's not the criteria here, and there's really no denying how impactful Gobert was on the defensive side of the ball for the Utah Jazz all year long. They were tremendous there. But Gobert's had some trouble in the playoffs because he does not defend on the perimeter well at all. You can actually kind of game plan to uh, against him, particularly if you have a big that can stretch the court to the three-point line. He becomes almost a defensive liability, maybe not a liability, but gets kind of benched at times and you can't keep him out there. Okay, now maybe you can make the claim that the awards should be after the playoffs or there needs to be two sets of awards for regular season and postseason. I think that's maybe the best argument here and way to kind of reconcile these two things. But that doesn't matter. Yes, Gobert's unplayable in the playoffs at times and Anthony Davis is not. And you're going to keep him out there at all times because he can defend on the perimeter somewhat. But still, that's not what this is. Gobert was a worthy, worthy person to win Defensive Player of the Year. When you really watch him out there and the impact he makes, that's a big thing. What will help Anthony Davis in the future is not having this team start as a bottom five defensive team for the first half of the season. Voters really are looking at that team defensive rating when he's out there. And when Gobert's is sub 100 and AD's is significantly higher than that, no matter how good AD is doing, and the defense wasn't bad at times because of AD, it was bad because of everyone else out there, it still isn't going to help him make his case that he's one of the better players, even though the Jazz, when Gobert wasn't out on the court, were still a very good defense, not as good when he was out there, still really, really good top 10 defensive unit without him. So shows you that he's got better defensive players around him. That really did help lift him to that Defensive Player of the Year award. So that's that from there. One thing I want to shout out, which was kind of fun, there were two moments that I thought were pretty great here. First being Dwayne Casey, the Toronto Raptors' former head coach, winning coach of the year for his work with them, even though he's now the head coach of the Detroit Pistons. First time that's ever happened where the uh, guy won coach of the year for a team he's not coaching anymore. We've seen coaches of the year get fired after winning it, certainly, but never while he's coaching another team. So that was kind of fun and had some nice little shade thrown at Toronto, but did it in such a nice way that it was so kind of passive aggressive too, that it was kind of fun. And yeah, I dug it and that was great. And good for him to kind of end up with the last laugh here. And then also you had Bill Russell giving Charles Barkley the finger, which you haven't, if you haven't seen it, just check Twitter. There are screen caps of it all around. And that was just kind of fun too, because I have no idea why he did it. It looked like he was playing around. And hey, just what a great moment. And maybe due to things like that is why you shouldn't have award shows, NBA. I did like it a little bit better when, frankly, they would just announce the winner of the award before their final playoff game or what was expected to be their final playoff game. That was always easier. You had a nice moment. You didn't have to make this big pomp and circumstance of it. And then you could get them going out and playing either like an MVP or not an MVP. That's happened both times. So 
that I think is a little bit better. So kind of boring. This was stupid. I don't really care about the awards anymore because we already spent time talking about this, arguing about this, and it would have been better to capitalize on this in that kind of frame of mind right after the season ended. So before we get into the Pelicans' salary cap and what they can do in free agency, the exceptions they have, how they're going to make moves to improve this team, make sure you check out the Locked On NBA podcast five days a week, Monday through Friday, recapping everything you need to know around the association. And as always, I'm going to be there on Wednesday. And I think we might talk some DeMarcus Cousins in this one, assuming I can convince John to, to discuss that with me. But he wants to, so we might get it on there. So keep an eye on that coming out on Wednesday on the Locked On NBA podcast. So your Pelicans free agency primer. We're going to keep this simple. We don't need to dive into too much minutia with the salary cap. Maybe we'll do that one day. But what I've learned is I think people want to know what this team can do, how much money they have to do it. And we're going to try and keep this as simple as possible because we could spend days talking about this stuff. And frankly, there's documents out there that you can read that will literally take you days and you almost need an economist to analyze and look at for you. So here's to put it simply, the Pelicans, or sorry, the NBA has a salary cap expected to be 101 million starting this offseason when the league calendar year starts fresh, which is July 1st at midnight. So basically, the second it hits midnight, all of a sudden teams have cap space and different things like that. So that's what's expected for the salary cap. That 101 million is kind of the magic number here. So when you take the Pelican salaries and do all that, they're basically over the cap. That's factoring in four cap holds, basically free agents for this team that you still, because you are almost expected to re-sign them, they count against you till they either sign with another team or you renounce their rights. And that's because you have some sort of ability to re-sign them for something or using an exception, usually the most common one being bird rights for a player, basically meaning you can go above that 101 million salary cap number to re-sign your own guys, guys that have been on your team. Most people who listen to this podcast kind of know that. So that's what we're looking at here. So they can go above the salary cap to re-sign DeMarcus Cousins, Rondo, Crawford, and Ian Clark. All four of those guys can come back in some sort of capacity using an exception. Hence, they have a cap hold. So when you add all of that up, basically all of their cap holds and guaranteed salary, they're right at around $127 million or so. DeMarcus Cousins has a cap hold of basically like a, a 27.1 million. Rondo, who's making 3.3 million this year, has a cap hold of 3.9. Crawford and Ian Clark, since they signed veteran minimum deals, have a cap hold of one, one 1.5 million. Let's round here to make it really easy. When you add that all up, basically this team is looking at being well over the salary cap by almost $27 million. So you don't have cap room to go sign guys. If LeBron opts out of his contract, it's not like you can just give him uh, a big money deal. If the Pelicans basically waive all guaranteed money and renounce all of their free agent rights, so DeMarcus Cousins, Rondo, Crawford, Clark, they can basically get $8.5 million to spend in free agency cap room-wise. It's not going to bring you LeBron James, Paul George, or anyone in, in that kind of frame and state. So what this leaves the Pelicans an option of, there's two ways you can usually go about it in free agency. You can be a team that's over the salary cap or a team that's under the salary cap. 
If you're a team that's under the salary cap, you basically can use the cap space you have and then something called the room mid-level exception, which lets you get a little bit over that 101 million figure. The Pelicans basically being so far over the cap and only able to clear eight and a half million in cap space do not want to operate as a team under the salary cap. It basically just gives them eight and a half million dollars to spend and that's it. If you operate over the salary cap, depending on where you are, and we're going to keep this simple, you have ex um, access to exceptions. The most common one being the mid-level exception. There's two versions of this. There's the taxpayer mid-level exception for teams in that luxury tax threshold or the non-taxpayer mid-level exception. This is the one that the Pelicans will be using, the non-taxpayer mid-level exception. Basically, that's $8.5 million right there. So the amount of money that the Pelicans would have had if they clear everyone off of the books. So $8.5 million in the non-taxpayer mid-level exception. Then you have another exception that teams have access to once every two years called, appropriately enough, the biannual exception. The Pelicans did not use the biannual exception last year, so they have access to it this year. The mid-level exception, again, eight and a half, while the biannual exception is $3.3 million. So this team has the exception for eight and a half million, and you can split that up over multiple guys, and the biannual for 3.3. Those are the two main ways this franchise is gonna go about adding people to this roster. They have access to those as well if they do sign Cousins to a max deal, more or less depending on how other things shake out, I guess, a little bit. So instead of renouncing all these rights and getting $8.5 million, it's better to re-sign, say, Rondo and Cousins and then still have $8.5 million to spend along with an additional one of 3.3. Those are the two big things here. So Rondo made $3.3 million last season. He slides perfectly into the biannual exception should he want it. DeMarcus Cousins, you're going to need to use bird rights to sign him to whatever deal that will be. We don't need to focus on that today. This is, again, just priming you for what you need to know on how the Pelicans can go about things. Basically, those two methods. But there's a bit of a, another one that can come into play, and this is going to depend heavily on what Rajon Rondo wants to do. His contract at $3.3 million, there's something called the veterans exception, basically, we'll just round down here and call it that, where you can sign him to 120% of his contract for last season and use that as an exception to go above the cap. Basically, it puts Rondo at $3.9 million to, do, to, to sign for that. If Rondo signs for $3.9, well, then they can use that exception to sign him, still have the $3.3 million biannual exception left, and the 8.5 non-taxpayer mid-level exception, essentially giving the Pelicans an option to more or less add another player at $3.3 million or less. Maybe that's enough to bring Ian Clark back. Maybe that's enough to bring Jordan Crawford back or add someone else that they think they're going to like. Keep in mind, this is going to be a weird free agency period where not a lot of teams have cap space. So guys might take lower deals just to sign and get some money because their market never really developed. So to sum it up, the Pelicans have $3.3 million to spend in the biannual exception and $8.5 million to spend on the mid-level exception. And potentially, if Rondo doesn't need more than $3.9 million, they can sign him to that contract and still retain those two other exceptions. This also includes bringing Cousins back, of course. So likely you can add Cousins 
retain Rondo and still get two more players at least, unless you maybe split up that mid-level exception among multiple guys. You can add some more depth that way too. But it looks like maybe the Pelicans will try and spend that whole thing all in one go. We'll of course give you some names on that later in the week because there's some really excited ones as you've been really as I've been starting to dive into this free agency class. Pelicans might be able to do a good bit with that $8.5 million mid-level exception, but it really does hinge on what Rajon Rondo wants because if all of a sudden he wants $4.5 million, you're not using the biannual exception on him because you can't. You're not using that vet exception on him because you can't. And all of a sudden, you only then have $4 million of the mid-level exception to add another player on. I don't know if that's really going to be enough to help this Pelicans team get over the hump. So that's the way that the Pelicans are going to approach free agency as a team over the salary cap using those two exceptions and hoping they can convince Rondo to stay here for $3.9 million or less. That would be a good thing too. We'll accept that. But those are going to be the real big methods for the Pelicans to keep this team together and then add some depth to make a playoff run for next season. So that's going to do it for this edition of Locked On Pelicans. Hopefully that kept it simple enough for you. Now you know the ways the Pelicans can add some free agents to this team, the amount of money they have to spend. And in the next couple of days, we'll start to have some fun, get into the silly season side of things now where we can throw out some names. And I've got some for you. Some good, fun names that are realistic, too. We're not going to really talk about LeBron James. We're not going to talk about Paul George. We talk, I talked about that a little bit on 4th Down on 4 on WWL-TV the other day. Um, but we're going to talk about realistic names. How can this team get better? What are the areas that the Pelicans need to fill with this? They didn't really address much through the draft. So how are they going to go about building a better team? And who are we going to be hoped that they're going to meeting, be meeting with? That was terrible. It's late. We had to watch a stupid award show. So that's where we're going to wrap it all up. So thank you all for listening. As always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. I'll be back with you all tomorrow. 